Episode 76 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about discovering new games. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam and I talk about how to discover new games once you've gotten into board gaming. This continues our Gatecrasher series, all about encouraging people new to board gaming to crash on in by giving our tips, insights, and experiences. We'll be talking about how to find out more information about board games, where to watch videos of board games, and where to try them out yourself, either for free or somewhat cheaply. And another quick note, we talk about a game called Contact in this episode, but we misspoke. The game is called Concept. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to myself and Adam talking about discovering new games. Well, I can't speak for you, Kelly, but what I'll say on this end, my digital mailbox is full. My literal mailbox is full. Okay. Carrier pigeons are dropping off envelopes onto the uh, the doorstep. People are in. People are ready to play games. Oh. That's what they keep telling me over okay. and over again. I got to keep deleting my voicemails because it just keeps filling up. People right. saying, yes, yes, yes. What's the next step? I want to play board games. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got to get this handled for you. That's a lot of communications and you're only one person. Can't possibly right. manage it. So... They're all interested. They're all in. They say, you know what? This board game thing, I keep hearing about it. I'm ready to crash in. Uh, gatekeeping. Forget about it. I'm coming. But w- how do I discover what games to play? Like, what am I really doing next? Uh, and right. first off, what you might be doing next, if it might be just from the person who helped you discover it. You may have just heard or saw a TikTok, from what I understand, about like a board game. And then you just go get one. You can just wander into your local Target. And I would say you're going to see about 50% miscellaneous children's games and sort of Parker Brothers, Milton Bradley spinoffs. That's about 50%. There's surprisingly maybe as high as 25% of adult game night games in black boxes, often with neon lettering. If that's your thing, then if either of those are your thing, then... You know, you are in luck. Now, there's probably another good 25% chunk there. It's going to be mostly the type of games that we're talking about. Not to invalidate the other ones, but when we're talking about hobby board gaming and designer board gaming, that's kind of what we're going for. So you might just wander to Target. They have 25% off of a toy, or which that includes games, like right now. So mm. it might be a sale. Good call. They often have clearance. Whatever the case may be, you've got enough into games to know, like, yes, I want more of this. So Great point, Kelly. Yeah. Clearance games. Before we dive too much into this, because yeah. I think sometimes you see things on clearance and you're like, well, that's obviously the worst version. Of course, the fuchsia sweater is on clearance. Uh-huh. Everyone bought up all the good colors yes. and left that one. Yes. I, I think with board games, though. Triple X, yeah. Right, exactly. Those are the only <laughs> sizes. Right, hand wash, of course. But with board games, I think that is not true. It, yeah. It's occasionally true. But mm-hmm. I bought some of my favorite games on clearance. Yes. For the record. So just for people that may be diving into this, don't uh-huh. don't don't overlook the clearance section. Don't assume anything about right. that section. Who knows why it's there? Save some money. One of the things you may discover as you get into board games is like, oh, there's way more of these. And they're coming out all year long. It's not just like, a, oh, holiday time, a few games get released. There are literally thousands of games getting released every year. So if you do wander into a store, maybe you've actually gone into like a local board game shop, hobby store, mm-hmm. and maybe see some clearance things. A lot of that can be just because new things come out, 
people buy things and they just need the shelf space. So some of that turnover, it's just to your advantage. Um, so yes, I completely agree. The clearance, sometimes they are stinkers. I'm not going to lie. But I think that's one of the likely ways if you say, oh, I'm going to discover a game, which we're not even talking about in this episode, is to just walk into a store and look at them and then be like, I like that one and just yep. take it and go. Um, as I think we briefly mentioned in the last episode, though, that's our first Gate Crasher, a series episode. Sometimes the front of the box doesn't really match what happens inside, and that's just part of the fun journey that we're all on. That's fine. You, you might encounter that. But in general, I would say go with your instincts. You see a box, you think it looks cool, grab it, get out of there, see what happens. Now, going a little deeper than that, how do you start finding board games how do you discover the ones that you may like kind of discover what is and is not out there but i mean it is out there if you're like gosh if only there was a game about raccoons going through trash there's a game called trash pandas and i don't know that that's what it's about but like it's kind of a dream it and it and you'll see it scenario with board games someone will ask you which game about raccoons? Like, yeah. it won't even be one game that you're yeah. looking for. So feel free to have to filter even further right, in right, your dream right. options. And if you go into more of a board game store, that's the opportunity where you may say, you know, I see all these board games here and I think that's nice, but I'm only concerned with either trees or cats. And they're going to be like, well, you're going to have to narrow it down. You're this gonna need to pick. Store. So <laughs> you're gonna we'll need to pick your wallet. One or the other. Um, yeah. So let's say that you again are ready to get into more board games. Uh huh. We have a few different things. We're gonna kind of gloss over them because each one of them probably could be multiple of its own episode because it is kind of a prolific hobby. The same way that a lot of games are coming out, a lot of things surrounding and supporting those games and information about them are coming out and ways to play them. First of right. them, well, you know what? I'm going to say what all of them are going to be. We're going to talk about content creators, board game geek, playing games for free-ish, and then playing games cheaply. So not quite free, but cheaper than just, you know, buying a possibly $50, $60 game off the shelf. So starting off with content creators, technically that's us. Now we feel like we yeah. don't really qualify. We are not full-time. We don't even maintain a schedule with this podcast. And it's mostly an excuse to have a schedule about hanging out. Correct. That 100%. said, we do talk about board games. We're doing it right now. There are lots of people on just think of a medium, maybe not books. Um, and there's people talking about board games on that medium. I've heard that the board game TikTok is great. I've heard it from two different people in my life who are not interested actually really really that much in board games so that seems to be going great but every other social media would have it uh there's just blogs i'm sure a little maybe a little more from the past and present i don't think blogs are as popular a lot of these are reviewers so they will get a game and then they'll say whether they like it or not but they're not all reviewers sometimes they're playing games sometimes they're even doing like little skits about board gaming um there's other podcasts of course youtube twitch watching things live um the hobby, like board gaming will be the main focus of a lot of those, possibly the only focus like this. We're we venture barely, but we're pretty much only talking about board games. That's similar across lots of other content creators. And I would group those as prolific ones, popular ones, and then niche ones. We're starting to fall niche because of our lack of prolific or popular. 
niche is kind of right. a catch-all category. Right, the third category. Yeah, also <laughs> right. these. Yeah, but some of them could like literally be uh, 18xx is a style of board games, which I do not play. Um, there's also coin games, another style of board games I do not play. There are probably content creators specifically talking about those games, which then allow you to... What's nice about that, you can... Someone else invests more time than you and then gives you some of that time back as a little gift because they tell you about whatever game or whatever it might be. So then you can be doing whatever else you need to do for your life. That might be sitting on the couch and doing nothing because that's important sometimes and letting their extra time spent playing a game. Maybe that's just the setup of it. Maybe that's just the extra time and being able to produce it and put it out into the world. That can save you time where they kind of summarize different games for you. And you'll probably find ones that you like more than others. And whether that be because they're entertaining or because their tastes end up being more like yours, then you're saved even more time because you're not listening to someone to find out if you agree with them. You kind of already know you usually do. So if they think it's good, then you're uh, one step ahead. So who are some of your favorite content creators then? Kelly, like, who are some of your favorites and who are some of your recommended? Maybe we'll do a a twofer. I, again, could spend an entire episode on this. So I'm going to very briefly go through those categories I mentioned. As far as prolific, Mm -hmm. I would say that there's maybe no, for for certainly for YouTube, and therefore just like content creators making videos, the Dice Tower is prolific. And if there is a game that you want to see a review on because in a review they'll usually tell you a summary of how it's played and then they'll tell you uh what they thought about it like was it good did it kind of do the thing it said it was going to do were there unexpected things in it the dice tower has reviewed most of the games so other people have reviewed games but you i mean especially if the game is like a year or so old and you have heard of it like you somehow got caught wind of it it is very likely that the dice tower has uh, a review of it so under prolific category i'm gonna i'm gonna put that one forward as far as popular i would say tabletop which i did mention on our last episode and on the heels of that i think also mentioned shut up and sit down it's kind of a weird name and you forget what it's saying and then you wear shirts their shirts and then you realize that your place is wearing a shirt that says shut up and sit down and not everybody knows what you're talking about, they think you're giving instructions. So right. that's, uh, those are very, both very popular. I don't think, nothing has been more popular than tabletop as far as that's concerned, I don't think. I think there are some no, other ones that be, yeah. sometimes touch on it. And technically tabletop was like a show on a, on another, on a channel. Um, I think there's some other things that are probably getting to that level, but it is a very popular and still it's kind of old at this point. It's many years old. But a lot of those games you can still find and buy for sure. They did a very good job of selecting titles, and it's a, it's a good place to it's a good place to start with something as far as popular things. And shut up and sit down does reviews, but they feel a little more like the fun kind of offbeat, a bit comedy instead of being more studious. Um, they're a little more creative and dynamic, and a little easier to kind of just walk into versus Dice Tower is more about the business of the game. They're right. not so much about like the fun and the jokes and kind of having even some like ongoing, when you watch uh, Shut Up, Sit Down, there'll be some things that like link back to other videos. 
there's what not. What was that one Dice Tower thing we watched? It like it came out every week on like a Friday or something. Oh, Favorite Game def- Friday. That yes. is a good time. Now, this is a great point to mention that Dice Tower is run run and started by Tom Basil. He's still on the channel. He has increased his staff over the years as it's gotten larger. But another big um, another big feature of Dice Tower is that smaller, maybe more niche uh, content creators will kind of get their start on Dice Tower because you can like submit videos for a variety of different things. They have Board Game Breakfast where they have people, and I think that's a little more rigorous to get on Board Game Breakfast. But for Favorite Game Friday, I believe literally anyone who follows the instructions for how to do Favorite Game Friday is on Favorite Game Friday. So uh, with that, I think you'll understand that the quality and content there differs. It's not everyone who's really... Like, there's a lot of this content that you'll see, and people are in, like, full, fully decked out home studios, like, home recording studios that look like TV sets. And Favorite Game Friday, you're seeing people at kind of different, I would say, kind of different levels, maybe, of content creation, different amount of interest in it. So that is another thing you'll get on Dice Tower, even though it's prolific. But you'll also see things that are a lot more niche because of how they do things like that. And there are a lot of other content creators, which they're not necessarily going to, if you watch them enough, you may hear mention of it. Or if you go back far enough on the dice tower, you may see it. A lot Mm -hmm. of other content creators that have since gone full-time, a full-time do board game content, got their start on the dice tower. So that's a kingmaker, if you will. uh, All the other royals in the land starts there. A bit. Now we're saying like, uh, gate crashing not welcoming not gatekeeping and i would say that the dice tower in that sense says crash favorite game friday says please crash here oh it's fun and it's a kind of a more of a every person's recommendation because they tell you mm-hmm. like i like this theme. game in this category yeah. and here's why and it is kind of nice to get a bunch of different perspectives in a 10-minute video, 15-minute video? because each person that's on there, the rules are that you have to keep your video pretty short. So it's kind of a roulette of people. It can be, um, and I've said before that I'm like an introvert, and so I think sometimes processing lots of people in a row is a little uh, gently stressful for me. Mm -hmm. So it can be a bit disconcerting to be like, now you're in this person's house, and then now you're in this person, then now you're in this person's house. And like, everything is changing and like the sound the lighting like it's all changing every time that can be a bit much for me but it is like a wild ride and then it's over um and you'll see if you watch if you start watching this how youtube works if you start watching favorite game friday it might just keep showing you favorite game fridays and if you see them over time you'll see people kind of come in and go out as this kind of rotating cast and again some of those people in a sense, I don't want to say promote it because I don't think it's that literal, but might end up on other parts of the Dice Tower. And then from there, may end up on their own channels. A lot of those people maybe are starting their own channel. And there's no, that's fine. Like, you know, the Dice Tower is fine with you having your own channel and being on there. Like, they're just saying more people in board gaming. So for them being very prolific, they they are also incredibly welcoming. Uh, as far as like, yes, they just want people playing games and are therefore not as much judging like, 
you, you can certainly get a sense from some of these content creators that like this game, this type of game is better than that type of game, which isn't really true. It's all a personal preference. And you don't get a lot of that from the Dice Tower. And I think that's often why people will watch a lot of Dice Tower. And then they'll find someone who is more aligned closely with their tastes and they may move on to that. So it can be a thing that people kind of just stop in and then keep on right. going. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now that you've uh, maybe wandered into a, a regular just store, picked up some games and then thought, well, where am I going to find more games like this? You've looked at YouTube, you've watched some videos. You're looking for a little more information about this game. You're going to end up on Board Game Geek. In yeah, fact, sure. if for some game names, not all of them, some of them are specific enough and only board games to the point where if you just put that into Google, that's the result you're going to get. You're going to get the result actually for that game. And almost certainly the very top result that you get is going to be that game's profile on Board Game Geek. There are a lot of things that Board Game Geek does, and we're not at all going to go into all of them. But it definitely serves as a database of board games every time a new game gets made. Especially English speaking. I think not so much for the entire world of board gaming, but especially for English speaking. Every time a game gets made, it gets put into Board Game Geek. It is a comprehensive database. They have things like Go in there as well, and Chess and Checkers, and they'll have like an estimated date that it was published for some of those older games. It's like, it's a little silly, um, right. but that carries through to newer games. And on the newer games, they'll have information like the artist, the designer, the publisher, the mechanisms in the game. So are you rolling dice? Are you rolling so that you move? Are you drafting cards? All these kind of things. Um, and as the page, that profile page for the game continues, there'll be other information, links to some of the videos that we've mentioned. You can put reviews on there. Like if you make a review, I believe you can post it to Board Game Geek and then people can see your review there on the site. An amazing place for information and sort of like a, a standardization of information about board games online. So if you are Googling something like, oh, let me look around at board game names. If you were to search for Imperial Settlers Empires of the North, you don't need to put anything else there. That's a board game. It's not anything else. That's, that's right. the only thing that's coming up. But if you search for Fjords or Calico, or Cascadia, there's a good chance you're gonna get something else. The tip would be, if you're looking for a board game, especially if they have a name of a country or a thing that is just a regular thing, put the name, put board, put BGG, you don't even have to write out Board Game Geek. So Calico, BGG, the first thing you're gonna get is the board game Calico, which does not have a Calico cat on the front. It's fine. Calico is a quilting term. It's like a quilting-ish game, except it's about neither of those things. It's a really right. hard logic puzzle, spatial reasoning game. Anyways, so there's a lot of other things on BoardGameGeek besides just this database information. They also like have a somewhat open API. So then it's a way that other sites and things can get information about games as well. You can upload pictures and everything for free. There's often pictures of the games. You can see those that have just been uploaded by people. So it's sort of crowd supported, though it is like there are actually people, you know, there's a board game geek site that is being run. You right. can donate to them, but it's otherwise it's free to use. You can make a login for it and do a lot more. And I think that's kind of where 
we're going to leave off for Board Game Geek because you could have many episodes about Board Game Geek. I do want to talk about Game Night because I think it is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a, uh, a, a video of It's a lot like tabletop. Playing. Yes, but it's tabletops no longer being made, and I believe Game Night is being yes. made. Yes, And so they are four or more or less people mm-hmm. playing a game, and so they, they go through the rules of it, and then they play the game, mm-hmm. which it's all well made, and I feel like it was a huge tool when we were playing a lot of games yes. in a pretty short amount of time to learn yes. big games in the frequency that we were, and it's pretty entertaining. Like, it's pretty fun. I like that it's a very human dynamics between the people, too. Like, they mm-hmm. will get kind of frustrated with each other, or they'll kind of make comments to each other based on how they play, Especially which I think can ones. also be really telling. Like, I've gone into games before, like, all right, we're going to have to talk about this one rule because it didn't work out for them. It's probably not going to work out for us, or whatever mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. to see those parts of it. So I really like that as far as content goes, and that's through and that BGG. Is, yes. So Board Game Geek has their own... Uh, they have their own YouTube channel. They post game night there. But when you're on the page for a game, if there's a game night episode episode for it, it's going to be listed on that games page. There's a section for videos. They also do in focus, which is, comes out on their channel. And it'll just be like two to three minutes about a game, which can be really nice. It just has like nice panning shots of the game. And you're just being told roughly what's going on. Right. The people that make those actually have their full own YouTube channel. And on that YouTube channel, they do things like top tens. You see a lot more of those on the Dice Tower, but they are also everywhere else across board game content. So yes, is what I'm saying to everything you're saying there. And I think that we're going to have an episode for this. It could be the next one that talks about rules. Perfect. And I know specifically, because this is a pretty high demand category, if you did want to see jessica from true blood play games she is on some episodes of game night i know that's a pretty high demand category yeah i I believe you so and yet is that the gosh what's her real name deborah okay i knew she did something yeah she's an actress and then just showed up and i was like that vampire showed up on game night and (laughs) she's on there a lot yeah yeah so just (laughs) throwing that out there you never know who's gonna stop by right 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 you kind of know, but yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yes, so uh, yeah, it's certainly in the style of tabletop. It is not in the production value of tabletop, but it does an probably even better job of literally showing you the game. So slightly less entertaining, but more informative. Definitely. Moving on to playing games for free-ish. I have to put the ish on there because everything uh, you could, uh, you can... Cost. Everything has a cost. So the cost might be that you already need an internet connection and a working device with which to access it. That is a cost. Um, They also will sometimes have more availability based on how much you pay. So you might be able to play some games like online Mm -hmm. for free, Mm -hmm. but then there are more games that you either need someone else that has paid more money to start for you or you something like that, or you maybe don't even get to play them at all. You have like a reduced library size. So that's the little bit of a caveat, but chances are, if you listen to a podcast, you're going to feel like these options are free, certainly have free options for you. So online, as far as like playing a digital version of a, of a game for discovering games. And for us in the pandemic, as we said, 
that was huge for how many oh. games we learned, how many games we then played, and I think even helped formulate our taste about what we did and did not like. I think individually we found things that we liked more or less, and then also collectively as a group, the things that we liked and didn't like playing. The platform on which you play them could have a lot to do with that, because games that are sometimes very easy to execute in person are very hard to execute with a mouse and keyboard. Um, right. As you get used to these tools, that is less true. And so that's why it can be easier to go. I mean, some of them doesn't matter too much, but it can be easier to go all in on one option because then you're not learning all these different interfaces just to try to play a game. So Tabletopia especially has a lot of Kickstarter games, it seems, if that ends up being a way that you decide to discover games and to purchase them. And then by previewing it before it comes out, you know if you'll kind of like it or think you want to buy it. So they have other games on there too that weren't just things from Kickstarter. But Tabletopia has a very big library. There are games on there that are premium games that you just flat up can't play unless you pay them money. It's not very much money that you pay them, but it is still some cost. I think it's 20 some dollars. I can't remember if it's... Actually, I can't remember if it's uh, a certain amount a year or a certain amount a month for them. It might be. It might be monthly like five dollars okay. it might be 20 a year honestly i don't know there is a cost let's say that associated with premium and then those aren't scripted meaning there's nothing helping you uh enforce or execute the rules of the game so in the same way that when you're at home and you open the game box you have to figure it out you have to know whether you're playing cards correctly that is also true on tabletopia gives you some freedom to um I mean, if you want to house rule something, if you want to make some kind of change or modification to something, it lets you do that just the same way that you can in your house. Yeah, then that means you have to do all the game maintenance. I think sometimes it'll set up the game for you, maybe. But I think aside so. from that. Yeah, the starting positions, but that's maybe it. Yeah. So that can be, you know, good and bad for different reasons. Now, Board Game Arena, which we have definitely talked about in this podcast before. We haven't oh, yeah. talked about Tabletopia as much. That is, I would say right now, the best way to play games online because it is scripted, it is worldwide, it is free. You can pay money, but when you don't, you can still play the um, like premium games. You just have to wait for someone else to start the game. So... This, the, the cost is not a lot, right? It's like no. for the same cost as like two and a half DiGiorno croissant crust pepperoni pizza. I think so. Here, yeah, I think is what that works out to. Yeah, yeah, and quite honestly, treat yourself. And it's nice to if you're if you're able. When you think about the cost of a board game, you pay the cost of about one board game to be able to play right. four hundred board games. And I would say a hundred of them you probably absolutely don't want to play. Oh no, and you'll, you'll know that for sure when you play them. Yeah. Honestly, you'll know it when you see them and you're like, oh, I'm not <laughs> clicking that. Now, we've clicked a lot of those anyways, but that's that's our deal. That doesn't have to be your deal. So Board Game Arena, it's on uh, app. There's an app for it. It's better on desktop. It's better yep. if you just sit down at a computer with a browser, but it does technically work on a phone. Some of the games work better than others on a phone. Um, there are other sites besides that. We're using those as the two big websites, um, but there's Yukata. Yukata. Um, there's 18xx.games, I think is what it's called. Um, Happy Meeple has a few. Game Park has a few. Vassal. Uh, there's one that Sovranti. I don't personally care for it. They kind of give you like a 3D avatar, and I believe it's an app. 
but it's the same sort of idea. You can find lists that include board games that you can play online if you search BGG, play board games online. Things will come up from Board Game Geek's website and you can go see different styles of lists of games. Sometimes they just list all the sites. Sometimes they list game by game where you can play it online. Right. It's it's a it's a lot. It's a lot. And, and board game arena can be used in a in a few different ways. There's probably not a lot of games that meet this category, but of course, playing online with other people that are online is one way to play that. But there are games like what's that uh, game with all those symbols? Is it contact? You have to guess a bunch of stuff. Games with all those symbols. I'm gonna need more. You gotta like guess a word. Mm, and then there's I'm playing the game right now with you. But with verbal symbols here, I, well, oh. no, I feel like I, I'm like you know oh, I'm trying oh. to guess a game. It's a, about guessing things. It has a question mark on the box. Yeah, I've yeah. never played Contact. Um, I think it's on there, and I think you could just play it in person with like several people gathered around. Oh, potentially, yeah. if you, you might have to like find a way to hide the word or whatever. But like you could use it as a screen to right. play a game potentially as well. On that point, you could onboard game arena. You create a login you then play with other strangers on the internet. It is better than what you expect as far as playing games with strangers on the internet. The spirit yep. of the hobby absolutely comes through. And I have not, I had one experience with Azul. It wasn't even that bad. I just didn't like the way they played Azul. And that's, that's a separate issue. The spirit of the hobby comes through. People are very nice on there. You can absolutely start a game the way that the interface works. You just hit like start it and it'll look for someone else who wants to start the game right you if i make a login and let's say adam makes a login and we're sitting at next to each other you uh get a warning about playing over the same ip address if you're in a game where other people are doing that you get a warning and i think you have to be a premium member in order to play one of you has to be at the at at the ip address to play over that i think I think they're trying to not let people make a bunch of fake accounts. And then there's this ranking system on there. I don't care much for it. But if you did, it would be a way to manipulate that ranking system. And I think that's why they have the warnings and alerts about it. I made, uh, when I started, I made another account. Because I like I wanted to know like what it looked like and then couldn't play back and forth myself. I was just very nervous about playing online with other people. Like that was not my deal. Turns out it's fine. It's fine. Even if it's super not your deal, it feels more like if you played a board game app, which we're about to talk about, it feels more like that, that you're just playing with some kind of AI. You can try or choose to interact more with the people. There's a chat there. I believe they have even more interactive features now. I have not used them. I think they might have video or voice, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I've not used it either. It might not be them. It might be a different website. In any case those um you you can choose to talk more with people if you want and, and i've had people you know say hey how are you doing this thing you're doing while we're playing or like oh, you know yeah. maybe they don't understand the dynamics so you're right the culture and community of the comes through where it's like yeah, yeah let's just figure this out and i tell them oh you got to buy the red gym to take another turn you know and then they understand they're improving mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah people are really helpful in those it- cases it does say, too, if you're playing a game for the first time, you won't see mm-hmm. it. Other people will see, this is my first time playing, and you'll get double play time. Because you can choose to do a game that is real time, 
which means you have a limited time per your turn, and that's just to ensure that everything kind of keeps moving. You can do turn base, like a, a longer amount of time where you maybe have a full day or longer indefinitely yeah. if it's one of your friends to take your next turn. And then you can be playing 15, 20, I guess 100 games at once with a bunch of different people over time, which is another really cool feature of uh, Board Game Arena that can be asynchronous. So you can have like a regular, someone that you already know or maybe someone you don't know on the other side of the world where it would be just very difficult to keep up a game with them. But the way right. that async works, it can just start and stop. It's saving your game state. It's something that Aaron and I have, um, we'll be like waiting on something, you know, maybe waiting on dinner or going here or there, what have you. And we can pull out our phones, start playing a board game. And then when the time comes, we have to, oh, now we have to go do the other thing. You know, it's ready. Yeah. Just lock our phone. The game's there. We can resume it later. So it can even yeah. be a pretty good way in that convenience sense just to play with the people that are next to you, let alone uh, around the world. For sure. And that's some of the other sites that we mentioned, like 18xx.games, I think Vassal, I think a lot of those may have similar features. Some of them may only be synchronous games, maybe. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't. I definitely have not used that many other sites. I have used Board Game Arena now more than anything, we use Tabletopia a fair amount. And then the other way that you can play games for free is just generally in person. That could be with your family, maybe, you know, cobble together people. Everyone might have a game or two that you haven't played and you can kind of discover those, see how you like them. Uh, with uh, friends that you may meet or already have, maybe have interest in games. Also, I think those first two options you probably already knew, but local groups like meetups will often have um, like... Maybe it'll happen at a board game store. That's another area you can go to to play games where people gather on certain nights, maybe to play certain kinds of games or have like a kind of local meetup where everyone, you know, people bring different games and then you decide something to play. And they usually have some kind of regular cadence to them every week, every, you know, first Friday. The library here in Indianapolis, I'm pretty sure has game nights. I don't know if like every library has a different one, but I've seen a, a poster for it at the central library for sure. So there may be like other kind of spaces like that that are throwing free events where you just come and play games. Then you also meet people that play games. Chances are they already have games. Like, so that's another way to find out about more games and be able to play them and see which ones you would like and not like. And there's also board game cafes, which are going to serve the same kind of function. Maybe will be the location for some of those events. And they, that's the free ish. A lot of times they will have you pay some kind of game rental fee. But they'll have like a wall of, you know, 100 or so board games. Um, often they will offer to teach you the game. Not all the time, but they will often offer to teach you the game as well. And then you just, you know, they have usually at least drinks, sometimes food. I guess they just don't want everything to get gross. That's why more of them don't have food. But you just kind of, you know, play, enjoy the game. That can be nice too if you don't necessarily have like a big table. If you want to try some like bigger games you don't necessarily have a big table or the space for it. Um, if you want to meet other people and that's just your home isn't conducive to that. These are all great reasons to go to a board game cafe. And a lot of board game stores, not all of them, but a lot of them have gameplay tables. Even if it isn't immediately apparent to you, there may be a door behind which is a room as big as the game store where right. people are playing board games. Yeah, it's just it happens to be 
a thing that's also happening there. They're often community kind of spaces. And these communities are, again, super welcoming. I've done a lot of me as an individual just showing mm-hmm. up somewhere to play mm-hmm. games. It always works out great. Like, yeah. I've never now, gone somewhere and not been able to play games. I think this is very true, but I'm going to give a sensible caveat that sure. you are assertive and commanding and by your very nature you're not being kept out of a lot of gates but very true those places some of those places can also be that gatekeeping that we have been referencing where it's just clickish they are not necessarily welcoming and inviting maybe they have very strong opinions similar to a youtube channel you decided you don't want to watch at all so that could that could happen and I will say I haven't experienced pretty – I don't think any of that playing online, like playing on board game arena, things like that. So you probably know that. You may have a sense about that in your own local community, whether or not that's going to be a thing that seems good or right for you. But there's a small caveat there. And also, don't get discouraged by that. Don't think that every – board game place is going to be like that if you encounter it that's too bad but know that that is not the whole of the hobby and you're going to find also another place that this really spills over it's not it's not really playing games for free but it can be affordable depending on where you live and where it's happening conventions Mm -hmm. are a great place to play games again it's it's free there's usually a cost to a convention But if you have started to interact with some of those, a lot of those content creators will have kind of online communities, maybe through Discord, maybe through chat, if it's on something like Twitch, maybe through a Facebook group, whatever the case may be. They will often then have meetups at those cons for those kind of community groups. So even if the community group around you at your local game store or what have you isn't supportive or encouraging in the way that you might like, know that that's not the only option. You are not the only person probably to be turned away by that group, which means you probably start another group. And there's also these other spaces online and at special events that are more than willing to and waiting and looking to welcome you. Like they are looking for more and more people to bring into games the way we are because we get so much out of playing them. It's a good point. Yeah, uh, conventions, because... You know, we talk about like Gen Con and, and of course, being uh, the local convention that's also happens yeah. to be the largest one. It's, yeah, you know, US, yeah. but there are a million little, and that's that's a made up number there. So there might not actually be a million, but there there are so many there little cons. Mm-hmm. You know, so look at your local, you know, Spooky Con, only games with skeletons and this and that. Like, yeah. there will be these very kind of niche things that, um, but, but that's probably where you're going to see even more excitement, hopefully, towards new people coming there. Right. Because they're super into this thing. Mm-hmm. And if not, well, who cares? You didn't want to play with them anyways. They're stupid anyway. So <laughs> go, go, go to the next thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of those smaller ones, not always, but sometimes they're also kind of aligned with nonprofits or they are like supporting certain nonprofits. So they might be right. sort of a community group that's like trying to get more gaming, but then also trying to do something else in the community as well. So those smaller ones are typically more grounded in the community and then that can be fulfilling in more right. than one way. Yeah. And they may not even meet at like convention centers. It's all, it might be very well be a Ramada Inn yes. room. Yes. You know, like a, you should you expect know, that. Not a hotel room, but like the convention room Yes, in, in a hotel. That, that's pretty common. Just so if you see that, that's pretty standard for small yes. 
convention things. Because they're also um, game, what people will say are like game playing conventions and buying conventions. And mm-hmm. I think traditionally there maybe even wasn't a, there wasn't much of a distinction because I think one would have been like more heavily industry and one would have been more heavily, uh, you know, cons- like individuals. But now consumers kind of come to the industry cons and then buy things. So a lot of those game playing conventions, um, a lot of the Dice Tower has quite a few conventions. Some at Board Game Geek has conventions. They have conventions on cruise ships. So like it's a you can get a lot done. You, you can be on vacation, you can be playing board games, you can be on a cruise. Like so um those not the cruise ones, but the ones that are just regular game playing conventions might just be a ballroom filled right. with tables and a wall of games. Dice Tower has a um a lot of those ones that have conventions have a library that they maintain of board games they keep it organized it's on you know shelves that travel to these conventions and then for i would say maybe a hundred or so dollars for a convention ticket a lot of times they're four days four day weekends there's probably a big ish one if you're in the u.s the regular um continental u.s there's probably a big ish convention that you can get to without too much hassle because there's a there's a number of them right that would have like this kind of library size you can probably get to convention with this kind of library size and pay a hundred dollars or so maybe you will or will not need some place to stay depending on how close it is to you and they'll bring like over a thousand games and it's just sometimes 24 hours i think covid and pandemic maybe they don't leave them open 24 7 as much anymore but right. you are just and they have systems about how um if you're looking for someone to teach you the game if you're looking for players for the game they usually have little flags and i'm sure some more than others but generally speaking they're known to be very like inviting we're all here to play games let's all you know be excellent to each other and and get that done so yes definitely as far as the in-person on a bit of a not so free aside board game conventions and they're not typically like gen con yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. And then our last note here uh, to go over is playing games cheaply. I guess you would say conventions is really in the playing games cheaply category. I right. don't know of any fully free conventions. Tabletop simulator, as far as playing online, and it's not really online, but you do, it could be online, <laughs> and you do right. need, uh, you need the other expense about it, and something that a lot of regular board game people already in the hobby ran into during the pandemic when people were kind of going online to get this board game interaction was you need steam to play it which is a computer application it's just a platform on which you can once you get steam you log into steam and there's a whole bunch of computer games that you can buy and play one of those is tabletop simulator i saw it years ago and didn't really understand it because you have to buy tabletop simulator and technically, it doesn't come with nothing, but it doesn't come with anything that you would necessarily want. It is a, like, physics engine for things on a tabletop. So right. you can have, like, you can actually roll dice and knock things over and all that kind of stuff. And yep. if you just get Tabletop Simulator and then you just do those things, that's like checkers. And you can, like, make your own board game. These are all the things you'll see in the video for Tabletop Simulator when you look, go on to Steam. And that's all well and good. The other part of that 
is that if you go into the Steam workshop for the game, so some games allow the users to create uh, files in a workshop, and then it's like a modification that you can apply to the game, and then they can share the modification they've made. This is sometimes endorsed by the publishers and sometimes not, that a game is basically scanned, put into Tabletop Simulator, and there's some things that help, like uh, it make decks of cards, pass right. out cards, things like that. Some basic tabletop kind of functions so that you can play full out games. Of all the things that we've mentioned on ways to play games online or ways to play games digitally, there is no bigger library than Tabletop Simulator. Tabletop Simulator, if you are open to using mods that are uh, from the workshop, has a bigger library than any convention probably you will ever mm. go to there. It's a community driven thing. There are some uh, community users then that are somewhat prolific and have really high quality uh, mods of certain games that you can play by default it is more like uh, tabletopia where you have to execute the game yourself. Again, there's some kind of tools and shortcuts and ways to do that better. However, you can also, uh, someone who is making the game, who is modding this game and creating the file that you can then download and then can load into Tabletop Simulator. Mm -hmm. They can add scripting to it. So there'll be certain buttons. It may not be fully scripted the way that you see on Board Game Arena where you play your turn and the computer will manage the next person's turn and making sure they can and can't do things and making sure you're putting things in the right place. It probably won't be as scripted ever Eh, as board game arena no. but it will do things that will maybe like help you refresh the whole game board after a round when there are these specific things that have to go specific places every time at the end of the round you might be able to push a button instead and have it just sweep through and do everything it does feel like magic especially when you've played other things on uh, tabletop simulator not everybody loves that as a free option because it's not always endorsed by the publisher which means you're kind of pirating games. It's a little weird when you think about pirating something in a completely different medium than it was originally created. Hmm. So as there have been better and better implementations, especially Board Game Arena, I think it's the biggest challenger to something like Tabletop Simulator. As there are better implementations, it, you know, it, then maybe it feels more unofficial because there is an official version that's actually available. Right. But, you know, when you have access to all three options, you know, you can kind of see what's going to work best. I don't know. I download a lot of music in my past. I've gotten a lot of tabletop simulator mods. Uh, I'm fine with it. So I'm going to put this in the cheap category. And we kind of talked about this last time because it's not really free because someone's paying for it. But asking for games as gifts, especially if oh. it's you don't know what, uh, you know... Maybe like a relative that doesn't know you super well. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to probably mm -hmm. want to give them the name of a game. Because you're going to end up with yeah. Parcheesi or Phase 10 otherwise. So yes, yes. And maybe you want those games. Those are also great games. But if you yeah. say, hey, I would... And if you know it's at a Target, at a Barnes & Noble, mm -hmm. they don't have to go mm -hmm. into the, you know... The game store with the mouth of a dragon as the door, yes. or whatever that is. So, just you know, because <laughs> um, Barnes and Noble is another great place that has a ton of games, as far as like yes. a chain with yeah. a lot of those. So, send them there. You're not putting out the cash for it. So, if it's not your favorite game, it's a little less at risk mm -hmm. for it. Um, mm -hmm. Like Kelly mm -hmm. said last time, we did it for years. I mean, 
a decade, yeah. right? Of just giving each other games exclusively as gifts. So yeah. it worked out super well because it was a thing we were going to do already. We all wanted to play games. We're all putting our resources towards this thing. I think there's a really mm-hmm. cool added layer to this if you decide to do it with your friend group, if everyone's on board. Mm-hmm. Because then it has to. you have to think, I want to play this game. Because I know if I give Kelly this game, we're going to sit down and play it the day I give it to her, typically. Mm-hmm. So I have to want to play the game. But for it to be a good gift, Kelly also has to want and enjoy this game. So I think it just also forces mm-hmm. you to think about combining interests between people. And then if we're all doing that, we end up with, I think, some pretty cool matching ups of game types. Right. And that idea of a gift that, you know, uh, I think there's an idea that wouldn't it be nice if I handcrafted something for someone and made something, you know, ever so special and exactly for them. And that's a lot of that's a lot of ambition and time and requires an amount of skill. But the uh, the intent there is that you want something that's a little more than just surface deep than just a, a gift card off the rack. Mm-hmm. And I think right. if you're getting a if you're getting a game for someone, and then like part of that is that you want to play this thing with them, as long as you haven't gotten you know like Zombie Killer three thousand for me when I'm like I obviously don't want to play that like this is now right. a horrible right. gift. Right. But if you really are, if it's something that, you know, they said they wanted or, you know, knowing that the gift is not only that physical thing, but then it's also just like this extra promise to continue spending time together and this extra investment into whatever that relationship might be, friend, family, otherwise. So, yeah, I think that's kind of nice, too, that the gift doesn't just end with the gift. And, you know, someone gets you something it's always nice to show that you used it. And maybe if it's one of the aforementioned fuchsia sweaters, it is just the one time you put it on and took a picture and sent it to them and then, and then sent it to on to a donation or what have you. Like it is nice to do that kind of thing when someone gives you something just to show that you appreciated it. So if someone gets you a game, you can take a picture of you playing it uh, with your friends. If you don't actually just play it with them and you know, they can kind of, see the the good that their gift did i think that's also fun and i think you can play a game i believe you can play a game once enjoy it and also know that you're not gonna keep it forever um sometimes people might think you're gonna keep it forever so that's just gift giving though we, can, we can't put all that on board games right yeah that's a whole other podcast not just another episode i think it's a whole other podcast yeah. of managing <laughs> friend and family expectations yeah so. And I think there's also probably a sweet spot of where, uh, you know, everybody's different. There could be a sweet spot where you're kind of open to discovering games. So the things that they get you, even if they don't get you exactly the right thing, is still going to be pretty good. I'm afraid that I'm at the point where unless they understand how to navigate my BGG user profile they don't need to try to get me a game. I probably have the game they've seen or have decided not to intentionally to not buy the game they've seen. So I think that's kind of thing with any kind of hobby you get deep into. It can be hard for them to uh, like casually, uh, casually interact with it. So if you keep getting more and more into board games and if you're the kind of person who grows a library, you're, you're going to end up maybe being in that place where it stops being a good gift. So in that discovery period that we're talking about right now that's a great way to go about it it's to say like hey 
get me a board game. And even if you just say that, you might have better success these days in getting uh, a variety of something and not just Monopoly. Like if you tell someone, get me a board game, hey, go to Target, pick out a board game you've never heard of. Right. That might go pretty well. And I think because of the increasing number of people that are interested in board gaming, that's just going to, that's also this discovery aspect that we're talking about is also just going to get better and better. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I guess over time that can just turn into a, a gift card, I guess, at that point then when you need to get your own game years down the line. I don't want, I don't want to villainize gift cards that again, I have a whole thing about that. I have a whole no, thing. No, I got gotcha. you. Do we have any other discovering games tips? So I, I think tips and tricks, right? If you're thinking I'm a new game player, the world is, you know, I've got all these games as an option. Where do I even begin to like grab mm. a game or the next game? Uh, I was kind of thinking yeah. about this, right? Cause it's a lot. It can be a lot, mm-hmm. but here's what you do know. You kind of know probably the space that you're playing it probably, right? If, if you're thinking about going and getting a game for you to own and play the space that you're going to play it. And you probably know the number of people you're going to play with. I'm guessing unless mm-hmm. Phil, Phil brings another girl over, you know, that we all have to meet for a night and then we're never going to see again for a game going, whatever it is. But yeah. if, yeah. you know, but, but, you know, in general, you're probably going to know those things. So that's honestly a lot of information because if you went into a game mm-hmm. store and said, Hey, I'm looking for a really fun three player game that we're going to play on a small round you know, cafe-style table in our home. That's all we have to play on. Oh, yeah. That's a tremendous amount of information to somebody that works in a space like that, and they can help you a lot for what may not seem like a lot of information to you. So kind of think about what you know about it more than what you don't know. Because the answer to what you don't know is most of it. It's huge. A million options. Right. But you can really narrow in on some of those things. That's an excellent point that I think people are unlikely to think about that information as simple as how many people are playing and where you're going to play might eliminate a whole lot of might eliminate a whole lot of things and i would say on top of that if you were to say those things and say we like yahtzee but we don't we want something different than yahtzee like there have been so many roll and write games and i don't think you might yeah. expect that if you walk into a place and say like give me something not yahtzee but like kind of like that they're going to be like, oh, well, there's our kind of like Yahtzee section over there. Right. It's all of those yeah. games. So pick anything right. that you see. Um, so I think even if you, uh, as you are trying to find new games, things that you like, there are things that you've probably heard of before. They are, you know, in Risk, in Monopoly, in Yahtzee. There are kind of some fundamentals there. If you did, if you were into something like magic and you liked to deck build cards, if you were into even um, like Dungeons and Dragons, you liked doing tabletop things already. If you were in those kind of things too, to say like, oh, I think I'm going to, I think I kind of want to get into board gaming. Go ahead and introduce those as starting points. And even if you look those things up, some of the board games, now they're going to have low ratings on Board Game Geek. We didn't really talk about ratings, we used to use it a little more when we got started, I think, than we really do now. Because now it's just like, listen, I'll like it if I like it. And if you're getting right. a game that's brand new, it probably hasn't been rated yet or not by very many people. When you look at like Monopoly or Yahtzee or something like that on there, it 
it probably doesn't have a very high rating, but it probably will still tell you the mechanisms in that game, such as rolling dice. It might say things about like the luck or strategy involved in it. And those can be really good starting points for discovering other games. And that whether you do that yourself as you search online or whether you bring that to someone at a game store. If you ask someone at Target, they're not gonna, just so we're clear, even Barnes and Noble, like they're probably not yeah. gonna know. That, pro that question probably game. does. Yeah, you'd be rolling the dice on how helpful that would be, which I guess is a game thing, yes. but not quite the same. Gosh. I think we've come full circle. That's got to be it. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to episode 76. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com. And you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. We were trying to keep this episode short and we failed miserably. If you've already crashed your way into board gaming, we hope that you enjoy hearing our insights and maybe you're even reflecting on your own board game journey as you listen. And of course, please pass these episodes along to someone who maybe showed you a board game TikTok and then asked, what's this whole wingspan thing about? In a very roundabout way, this series seeks to answer that question and many others that follow. The next episode will be more gate crashing goodness. I think we're either going to talk about rule books or buying games. If you're listening to these in reverse, you have 75 more episodes headed your way. The next one is also about gate crashing. That one's about getting into board games. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today. Yeah.